Hey, did somebody call for backup? What's up, prodigies? And welcome back to Call for Backup, a prodigal son podcast from Nerds and Beyond. This week, we come face to face with the truth as we discuss season two, episode seven of Prodigal Son. If you're not caught up, we suggest that you pause this episode and come back and join us when you've watched all the latest episodes from season one now available on HBO Max. You can also watch the first seven episodes of season two on Fox Now or on Hulu. As many of you know, I'm Kaylee and I'm a staff writer at Nerds. You can find me on social media at Kaylee Gross. For this episode, I am joined by Brianna and my partner in podcast crime, Jules. So thanks for being here this week. Brianna is providing a quick recap of the episode. Jules will be leading the discussion of our favorite noteworthy moments and helping to discuss our theories. But don't worry, I'll end the episode with a nice dose of reflection for the week ahead with a motivational affirmation or quote. Before we begin, I'll let the other staff members introduce themselves and explain what they do for nerds. I'm Brianna, an editor, and you can find me on Twitter at bookbag09. And I'm Jules. I am an editor, writer, and content assistant, and you can find me on Twitter at JulesWritesBlog. This week on the winter finale of Prodigal Son, Malcolm is stressed as he tries to get to the bottom of Ainsley's latest potential kill while also balancing solving the latest case. Turns out death by Botox is anything but pretty for the victims of the revenge killer who is actually a previous patient of the renowned plastic surgeons she's after. Jessica's sister Bertie swoops into town to ruffle some family feathers. I mean, offer support, at least until she confesses she's been offered a tell-a-book deal on Jessica's life. In Claremont, Martin takes on infirmary duties under the watchful eye of Dr. Capshaw and actually helps her save a life on his very first day. The two have some interesting vibes happening right off the bat. This wouldn't be Prodigal Son without a shocking final scene, and boy, do we get one. It's revealed that Ainsley's latest murder is nothing but a prank on Malcolm. She viewed his protectiveness as an attempt to control her, and this prank is her way of making sure he never does it again. For all the details, be sure to check out our recap on nerdsandbeyond.com. Now, on with our discussion. Okay, and now it is time for our discussion of the episode, some of our highlights, some of our reactions to these twists and turns. Every week, it seems like there's a new twist going on, and there were quite a few this week. Um, And as usual, we're starting from sort of those smaller moments and working our way up into the big reveals. So the first thing that we all had on our list that we had to discuss was the Adresa and Malcolm quote-unquote date that sort of kind of happened in this episode. Um, We have Malcolm once again asking her for a little help on the side, uh, and Idrissa misinterprets this to mean that they are going on a date. Um, What did you guys think of this moment when you first saw it? I thought it was cute. I was just, it made me really sad for Idrissa, because she barely clearly thought this was going to be like a legitimate date, and he was going to take her somewhere, and that is not what happened. So, I don't know. It was it was a little awkward. You could kind of tell he that's not what he was expecting. And I do love Malcolm for trying to like soften the blow. He could tell she was expecting more and was like, thanks for helping me. You're, you're a really great person. And then like mm-hmm. hightails it out of there. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Brianna. I thought it was I thought it was cute because Adresa is cute. So, you know, and we know that she has a crush on Malcolm. I mean, it's very it's very clear in almost every episode or every scene that they're in together. But I, I agree also with Brianna when she said that it was kind of sad. Like, you know, she, it's almost like he, he used her in a way to get what he wanted, but at the same time, he had a good reason for it to 
you know, protect Ainsley, but it just kind of sucked for Adrisa. That's all. So what do you think? Jules? I, I know I, I kind of, uh, it was a difficult moment for me because it was actually, it, it was, it was very sweet. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think Malcolm's not a mean spirited person. Um, nothing we've really seen from him has made us think that he would make fun of Adrisa. I mean, he's kind of uh, throughout these two seasons so far, like he's always been very kind to her. Um, and he's always kind of joked along with her, but that moment felt very uncharacteristic of him to kind of ask that knowing what she thinks of their relationship and knowing how, how much stock she puts in their relationship together. Um, I do also think, and Brianna kind of mentioned this earlier, um, that he's in a place of extreme anxiety um, and extreme stress, and he's not fully functioning the way that he normally would as well. So I think because he's desperate and because he doesn't really know else, where else to turn to, he's sort of saying, you know what, this is kind of, maybe this is a little icky. Maybe I don't really, maybe I didn't understand the dynamic of what I was messing with here, but I, I need help. And she's really the only one who can give me that help. Um, yeah. So, so, I mean, I, oh, it was, it was both cute and also a little disheartening as well. I also think maybe he could have corrected her. Like if he knew maybe when she was like, oh, it's, so it's a date, you know, if maybe he could have corrected her be like, oh no, I just need to ask you something. Or maybe he could have like changed her expectations of it maybe. So she wouldn't have gone all out like that. I kind of agree, but also he's not, like you said, he's not mean spirited. So he would not have corrected her in front of six other people in the room who heard the conversation. Yeah. It's a tough situation. It would have, I mean, he could have pulled her aside afterward and been like, look, I didn't mean a date. And I also mm-hmm. think he didn't realize she was going to misinterpret it until it was too late. It was just right. like, this thing just happened. She said she'll keep her eye out for a crime. And he connected the dots really fast in his head and was like, oh, you could help. And <laughs> yeah. Andresa, you know, really wants that date. I almost want them to go on a date and then not have it go badly, but just maybe it would help her move mm-hmm. on. Because he doesn't seem, I don't know, I don't get romantic vibes from him towards her, but no, I don't think so either. I don't think he's ever seen her as anything other than I think they really can be friend. amazing friends, though. Like, they are such kindred spirits. Yes, they mm-hmm. are. And then they like the same things. And, I mean, I've always kind of joked that, like, Maldresa is my ship that I know will never sail. And, like, <laughs> I know that. And it's fine. I, I, I just think that they, as friends, would be very powerful. And I mm-hmm. hope that eventually they do kind of back off on the crush aspect of it. I don't ever want her to lose her enthusiasm or her wanting to talk with Bright about things because they do fit so well together and they do mesh really well together. But I do hope at a certain point she kind of, she finds somebody who loves her for exactly who she is. You know, I think that both she and Malcolm deserve to be with people who can make them happy. So now we have to talk about, there've been several new characters that were sort of introduced this week. There are really three major ones. Um, But the first one that we meet is Birdie. Jessica's sister who I don't know about you guys but that actress absolutely nailed the exact same speech pattern that Bellamy had and from the second she was on screen it was like oh this is definitely Jessica's sister like she absolutely nailed it and also the reveal that Birdie is writing a tell-all book and then all of a sudden Jessica's now going to be writing a tell-all book I mean first of all what did you guys think when we first saw Birdie introduced I think she was only on screen like 30 seconds and I was like (laughs) she's a clone it's she is it's it's like a a smaller Jessica you know I mean she just got the cadence right and the Mm -hmm. she I don't know if her voice is naturally that low Bellamy's you know lowers hers a bit for Jessica I kind of wonder if Rachel York did the same for Birdie to kind of match her tone Mm -hmm. but it was just so perfect and also 
like I was a little suspicious of her at the beginning. Maybe I was picking up off of Jessica being suspicious, but then when the book is revealed, I was like, see, this is why I don't trust anybody on the show. Everybody has an ulterior motive, but I love it. I would love to see more of her and mm -hmm. not to sidetrack too far off of this. They talked about their mother cutting her off. So the mother is alive. I would like to meet Mama Milton. Oh, I want this whole family on this show. I want to see like, everybody, yes. anyone related to Jessica. And I noticed that her voice did get deeper. And I want, and Bellamy's also got deeper when they were talking together. It was almost like they were intentionally <laughs> pitching lower when they talked. I was like, I love this. This is so funny. Yeah, I liked the just how the actress really took that characteristic of jessica to heart to mm. help with her character of birdie you know what i'm saying like to really portray that they are sisters they have the same mannerisms and the same tone of voice and pitch and all of this stuff and it it showed and i i just appreciate that as a as a viewer mm. to be like wow like they took the time to like almost do research in a way to portray this sister on screen so i really enjoyed it and she, i think she killed it like i was laughing so hard i was like I cannot believe, like you said, there's a clone of Jessica on the screen. <laughs> and I love the dinner scene. Oh my God. Her taking oh. Malcolm and then Ainsley yes. snickering like a two-year-old. Oh my God. <laughs> the whole dynamic was amazing. And it was like, I didn't know we were going to get theater with dinner. It's like, I know she's, she's like, you look pointed out right. She's there. like, you look more like your father every day. I was like, oh, I know. <laughs> both so both of these sisters like simultaneously live for the drama and like hate it. Cause you know, Jessica's like, Oh, my life is horrible. It's a mess. I married a serial killer. I have my children. But, you know, at the same time, she's a little bit dramatic as well. And so to see Birdie mm -hmm. kind of instantly walk in and just pick up that dynamic and be like, oh, yeah, your life, like, really is a mess. <laughs> like, that was very funny to me before we found out, of course, that all of that concern and all of that was to create a book to sell. For a minute, I believed her. Like you guys said, like, it's hard to trust anybody in this show because besides like Gail, Danny and JT and Adresa, like those are like our, like our peeps, you know, but They've proven themselves. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I only believed her for a second. And then I was like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like she's, she kind of just came out of the blue. Like if you were really mm -hmm. concerned, I feel like you would have reached out sooner or come through sooner. You know what I mean? And then when it was revealed, you could just see the betrayal on Jessica's face. Like, she can't trust anybody. I just felt bad for her in that moment. I could just see the defeat and the, like, the, just like I said, just the betrayal of really, you're going to produce and, you know, talk to people about my life. You know, she's like, I can do that myself. And she will. And she will. <laughs> she's going to get that money. Um, which I, you know, honestly, I'm pretty shocked. I know that Jessica genuinely deep down is a very good hearted person. And she's talked before about how she really doesn't want to profit off of, you know, these people who have died and what Martin did, but I, I'm frankly shocked. She hasn't written her side of the story, even just to clear the air and be mm -hmm. like, I didn't know, like, I had no idea what was going on and here's my side of it. But I, I threw this out on Twitter and I feel like I have to ask you guys. What are some of our titles for Jessica's tell all oh, book? Something about drinking bourbon or something like you'll need bourbon for this. The story of <laughs> Jessica Whitley. Like, I don't know. Something like that. But something along those lines. I don't know. Titles are not my forte. <laughs> as you guys know, when I'm writing articles, it's not my strong suit. That's usually the last thing I do. 
Like I said, it's got to be something with. It's got to be something really good, though. Like it yeah. has to capture Jessica's character. I love that she took the reins, though, and was just like, you know what? They want the story. They're gonna get it anyway. They're gonna. They want. You can't top getting it directly from her. So mm-hmm. that's the way forward. She doesn't even really bat an eye with it, which is right. so Jessica. It's very Jessica. I wish I had that kind of strength. Yeah. And I think the reason why she hasn't for so long, because she said like people have reached out to her for years, but I mm-hmm. think for a long time, she held so much guilt over the victims and just kind of wanted to erase that part of her life. Although she kept the Whitley name, she almost to the point is like, I'm not going to let him take anything else away from me or my kids. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to highlight his story you know, intertwined with hers. So I think that's why for so long she refrained from doing that. But I think now she's in a different, maybe she's in a different place and the, you know, Malcolm and Ainsley are older. So maybe that she can tell her side of the story and maybe clear the air for her reputation a bit. I hope they stay true to that though. And if we Mm -hmm. get, I don't know how detailed they're going to get into this book, but if they do, you know, kind of make it a little bit more central to her story, I kind of hope she does a few chapters in there of like, and here were his victims and kind of highlights who they were as opposed to it just being about, or maybe she'll try and keep it from being about Martin at all. I don't know. I don't know how you would do that, but yeah, I don't know. That was, you're right at the beginning, especially in the first half of season one, that was very much her standing was like, there are real victims. I'm mm-hmm. not one of them. I'm not going to, you know, do that to the families. Mm-hmm. I mean, she felt horribly guilty even when she was trying to do something, you know, somewhat good and try to find the girl in the box and try to bring mm-hmm. that closure. She still felt horrible about kind of bringing some of that stuff back up again. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. It'll be entertaining to see where it goes because something tells what my hope is that we get a guest star next season who's like a skeevy like book agent who's trying to be like, here's what we put in the book. Yes. like Here's what's going to sell. And then have yeah. her be like, no, I won't do it. And I, I feel like that would be a fun dynamic to have on the show. They need to like try an angle and get Malcolm to be like, and you can be the sequel and him be like, no. <laughs> oh God. I mean, if Ainsley wrote one, it would be like father, like daughter, but we won't think it'd be that, that hard right to now. convince her. <laughs> I don't think it'd be that hard to convince her to tell her side. Oh, oh no, she's absolutely, she's this close she'd already. Have a, I mean, how many like interviews a, has she done already? <laughs> she'd have a special on like 2020 or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, she Ainsley already basically Whitley. has. She already basically has with the interview because the whole hook of the interview was not just that it was an interview with the surgeon. It was that it was his daughter mm-hmm. interviewing him. And another point we wanted to talk about was our actual case of the week itself, which was pretty interesting, pretty gross. Um, <laughs> shout out to the makeup, uh, makeup department, mm-hmm. um, because they're pretty amazing that they were able to pull off all these looks. Um, I'm a, always a huge fan of like practical effects and like practical makeup. So from that standpoint, that first body with the needle, like through the, the, the oh, like that was <laughs> very well done, but that was nasty. Um, but what did you guys think of the actual case? I mean, it was kind of a crazy one, even for a prodigal son. It was different I like how they do different things like they don't just do the same old you know what I'm saying like there are shows with like the buddy cop comedy and like the drama kind of thing but this show is different with its ensemble and like the cases so I really enjoyed it like I said well like you said Jules it's kind of gnarly looking um <laughs> so it's kind of gross but I thought it was different yeah that's a, like unique I enjoyed it very much I liked it too. It was very 
I feel like they found their rhythm with the way they tell the cases each week. They're all different, but they all kind of have, you know, three to four victims, mm-hmm. at least two twists that we don't see coming. I really enjoyed the cheetah cocaine moment. That was hilarious. <laughs> cocaine! I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I enjoy how they both just like dramatically collapsed onto the floor after it happened. Like, yes. And she's like, this is the worst cooking queen. show ever. Yes. Worst cooking show. <laughs> it was like, just... It was very high energy, even though it could have been, you know, it was plastic surgery. Maybe from the cocaine, maybe? (laughs) Yeah, maybe from the cocaine. (laughs) But no, I really, I really enjoyed it. Like you said, the makeup department, when they did the pan around that chair, I I had to look away. It was gross. (laughs) No, thank you. I will never, ever, ever have work done now. (laughs) That's a good turn, I guess. If that's, that's not all, your forte, that's what the message was the yeah, message maybe. of the episode was actually please don't ever get plastic surgery. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not your forte, here's why. <laughs> I feel like the show botched really did a lot for convincing people not to get plastic yeah. surgery. Oh, Lord. But the case of the week also kind of gave us an interesting moment that I know Brianna's going to want to talk about. Um, between Danny and Malcolm, it's kind of a throwaway line. Like nobody really talks about it. It's just kind of said, and then we move on. But it's there nonetheless. He yeah. calls her beautiful. It was so nonchalant. Like it just rolled off the tongue. That's why she like it was. looked at him. Like, did you? Did, what? And her little like, smile. I love the. I love it when he's not like he clearly wasn't angling to give her a compliment. Mm-hmm. It was just like in passing. He was acknowledging that you know this industry feeds off of insecurity but even someone as beautiful as you are, is going to oh. feel weird in this space and just like her reaction and then his like he just was so thoroughly confused why she was smiling when he turned around and even when she walks off he kind of pulls a face like at the last second before mm-hmm. the camera cuts and it was just like <laughs> the acting of it was great and I just I love their I love their dynamic I could watch the the Brightwell show all day long <laughs> I mean they have such good on-screen chemistry anyway mm-hmm they really do. They, they, and I hope, I hope that that's ultimately where they're going with it. I, I do like their friendship and I like that they can Agreed. be buds, but that one episode, I think they almost made a mistake in giving us that taste of Brightwell in the dream sequence, because now it's like, oh, now we know how it could be if they mm-hmm. were together. So now it's like, we just want it even more. We want more and more Brightwell moments. <laughs> I'm okay with the slow burn of it though. Like, Malcolm's not in the headspace for our relationship. She seems like she's, oh, yeah. you know, n- naturally a closed off person, especially with having done the undercover work and everything. Mm-hmm. And I like watching their friendship evolve at work and, you know, as they get to be partners. And I mean, she was very protective of him in this episode. Mm-hmm. Back up while I kicked down this door. <laughs> it was, yeah, I like, I like watching the the slow pace of it, I guess. I don't know. I don't think they need to jump into it. I think everyone's there for the long haul. I agree because I don't want them to jump into a relationship and then it get ruined and then their friendship gets ruined like mm-hmm, build a true. foundation first before you move on like move to it like a, the next step you know what I mean <laughs> I mean the problem is that the one thing hanging over their relationship which has not been explored at all is the whole thing with Endicott Oof. because you know they can build this wonderful foundation of friendship and trust and all of that but the second that that comes out which you know it's going to come out it's just a matter of how and when uh it's going to be really tough then to kind of rebuild that trust because Danny doesn't share with a lot of people you know Mm -hmm. she's like you said Brianna she's kind of closed off she doesn't really open up to that many people so I think it's going to be really tough 
when she finds out about Endicott and especially that he was keeping it from her because frankly I think that she would probably have helped him if he had called yeah. her I don't know she seems kind of by the book when it comes to at least law enforcement things for the most part but they hated him though this is the one thing is that they all hated Endicott <laughs> so much and it's so true. they might have actually defending been defending <laughs> we're defending her to like, figure it out though on her own like he was really oh, yeah. acting suspicious in this episode and she saw it I think that's yeah. part of the reason we got a lot of I mean also I think the fans just like those two together so the writers yes. are putting them together more but I kind of felt like she was there to keep an eye on him a little bit because he was acting so cagey mm-hmm. and I, I mean she's extremely smart yeah I want her to kind of start to piece it together maybe not figure it out all the way like what Jessica did but especially when Alan Cumming shows up I think pieces are going to fall into place but we'll talk about that in the theory segment (laughs) (laughs) keep those theories for later (laughs) (laughs) so speaking of sort of the makeup department the production side of things in this episode um which was all top notch we will now turn to what is slowly becoming kaylee's director corner (laughs) um oh my god i love that can we Oh we're, we're, we're gonna talk later, Jules. <laughs> Kaylee's camera camera corner. Kaylee's camera angle corner. Kaylee's uh, jump cut corner. Uh, Although I know part- nothing technical, <laughs> I don't either. Just I just have an appreciation. That's it. That's all learning, it though. I feel like Kaylee's learning these terms just to discuss on the podcast because you you've been popping out with some new ones lately. I, I see you. You know um, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to t- let Kaylee talk about it because. This episode was directed by none other than Lou Diamond Phillips, who plays Gil. And this is his, it's not his directorial debut he's directed before, um, but this is his first time directing on Prodigal Son. So I'll let you take it away, Kaylee, because I know you have lots to say. Um, well, it's funny because I actually interviewed Lou for his book um, back in October. So, and he had teased that he was going to be directing an episode. It was talked about at that time so like mm-hmm. we've all known for for quite some time and then when he revealed like the episode title and all that we've all been really excited I just you know what's funny I always try to look for like a signature for each director like um I like to know what their signatures shot is or something they like to put into every episode they direct so I actually asked Lou what his signature would be and if if it was on display tonight. So he actually replied. So I want to share it with all of you. Um, obviously, Brianna and Jules know, but not the rest <laughs> of you. Unless you follow me on Twitter or Lou. Uh, he's oh, my so- God. Not another Twitter plug. Okay. Hey, <laughs> listen. You know, <laughs> I got plugs <laughs> beyond. This is this is what this show is. Well, well, drop that handle, Kaylee. Don't be shy. Go ahead. Hey, hey at Kaylee Gross. You heard it in the intro. You're hearing it here now. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's, listen, this is who this is who I am. I cannot change who I am. Okay. Um. So my official question was, what would you say your signature shot is when you direct, and was it apparent tonight? He said, "Good question. Not just one answer, and very much on display. Often it's about opposites, high and wides, then low angles. Transitions are my candy. I love pushing in at the right time. The camera, the frame, the composition tell the story as much as words. Which I totally agree. I love it. I just kind of watching certain scenes back we were just talking about it actually um before we actually started recording right at the end about four minutes left there's a scene where capshaw and whitley whitley meaning dr whitley and i'm like 
be more specific, Kaylee. Uh, we have several there's a lot links. of Whitleys on this right. show. <laughs> right, exactly. There's a scene where um, Dr. Capshagas gives him like a butterscotch and he's looking down at it, but the camera is almost like at a low angle looking up at him. And then it, you know, is on the same level and then it fades to Malcolm, like seamlessly. I, my jaw dropped. I was like, wow, I love that. Uh, that transition I just we've never seen that before I don't think so seamless and a you know an apparent really obvious fade but it it didn't seem like it was like cut or anything you know what I mean it wasn't like choppy there was another scene where Ainsley and Malcolm were on the phone and it was a split screen I really enjoyed that because you know it's always usually one-sided or they'll switch back and forth but you don't get it at the same time like to me I think it kind of intensified the moment where he was like, no, Ainsley. And she's like, no, I'm leaving. Bye. You know, um, I really enjoyed that. And I mean, hats off to Lou for a fantastic episode. I think one of my favorites to date, not just from the camera angles and, and like the shots and everything, but, you know, the makeup department, the writing, like there was some quite a few one-liners I really enjoyed in this episode. And I think that just the team worked really well together. And for Lou to direct you know, Catherine Zeta Jones and Alan Cumming for a short moment in the end we saw, but I mean, what a way to start for, for prodigal, at least his prodigal son debut directing debut. So I don't know. I feel like proud of him. I know that's weird, but I, like I said, we know I love Lou, like and I'll <laughs> never stop saying that. Um, but again, I don't know any technical terms, but I just love the, I think we mentioned it last week, the cinematic experience of this show and I think he went all out and it was as a viewer I mean top notch for me so okay whew, how did I do <laughs> oh Brianna <laughs> fantastic oh, oh no okay. I was just while Welcome we're to in Kaylee's pro- director corner come on yeah. come on in <laughs> while we're hanging out in production corner there was right. one <laughs> thing I noticed I don't think they've done it before but we also haven't seen them in the capacity so perhaps mm-hmm. we haven't had the chance I liked that they started doing when Martin was in the infirmary and he was diagnosing the patient. They did the same sort of zooming in and camera angles that they'll do mm-hmm. when Malcolm profiles, but they did it for Martin diagnosing the guy. And I love that. I love the, yeah. Then mimicking the same thing. It was just like, I know that's, it's supposed to make you feel like you're watching their mind work. I don't know. I don't know the right way to phrase it, but yeah, that's right. I just no, love that they yeah. use the same. It's a good parallel. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. That's one of the things I really love about the show is just like you can it lets you follow their train of thought because they'll do his eyes and then they'll do the lips and how chapped mm-hmm. his lips were. And then he goes to the arm and explains that. And it just it makes me feel like I get to be smart alongside them. <laughs> and you look for those micro expressions too. I think that's mm-hmm. what a lot of profilers look for is are those micro expressions when you lie or when you start to sweat or when you avoid eye contact, those little things, you know, if you, your tone and your pitch and your voice change or, you know, tone of voice, whatever. Um, so I agree. I, I like that. And I didn't even, now, now that you said that, I didn't notice that parallel until you actually said something. I was like, wow. Yeah. I guess I I never noticed any parallels until (laughs) Kaylee tells me about them. Um, and it makes me feel like I need to watch more movies <laughs> to get a sense of it. I took a world I, cinema class. So like one time, like three years ago, does that one make time me in college? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does that make me qualified? 
I mean, it's, it is fascinating, life, though, so. how there's, like, a visual story going on as well as the actually, like, written word on the page. So it's, it's, I always love when you guys point stuff like that out because I never notice it, even on shows <laughs> that I love. And then people will say, oh, did you notice how they, they purposely, like, lit this backdrop, like, this other thing? And I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> someone worked really hard to make that parallel happen. <laughs> It and I matters. didn't notice it. Oh, it no. all has, I, again, I've already said this, but just for example, just to kind of, you know, when I directed a high school play and like every little thing matters, every lighting, every costume, like it just, it all means something. And it's all done on purpose for the most part. Like I know improv obviously is in the moment, but he said he's when uh, I was looking through some of his tweets last night, um, he was answering a bunch of questions. He's very detailed. And so he had a plan, but he said that with such a great cast like this, you know, sometimes you want to leave things to interpretation and to um, just kind of see what the actors can do in the moment. And just, yeah, I just am in awe. And there's one more thing I want to mention um, that I just thought about when Jessica and Birdie were having their conversation at the dinner table. And then it kind of, moved a little bit to Ainsley and Malcolm having their own conversation but they were in the same room and you can kind of see I don't know I just really liked a shot of you could kind of see Jessica in the background like sitting down it was just like two different scenes but all in the same room I don't know same I, kind really, of I don't know if that was still a- sibling tension it's just happening right. in different yeah. spaces like again another like sort of parallel like they're mm-hmm. siblings but they're having two totally different conversations and but that dynamic you could definitely tell is definitely runs in the family clearly so anyway all right thank you all for coming to Kaylee's uh, <laughs> camera corner director corner what do you want to call it see y'all on the flip side <laughs> see you all next week well not next week sadly so sadly not next yeah. week in April <laughs> <laughs> So the next big item on our list, we have about three left that are that are big, and this this is a big one. So it was the introduction of Catherine Zeta-Jones this week. It was her first episode as Dr. Capshaw, um, and uh, as Brianna said, we're getting some interesting vibes from the Capshaw Martin uh, situation here. Mm-hmm. How how are we how are we feeling? Well, first of all, how do we feel about Capshaw as a character herself before we get into later things (laughs) I like her as a character I can't figure her out yet I just kind of Mm. my default is like everybody's evil in the show for some reason I don't know why it's (laughs) probably because she's in a prison so I just kind of assume there's something except for Mr. David Mr. David is an exception exactly yes Mr. David is the exception Mr. David is the exception um (laughs) no I liked her character and I do hope we see like more of her I don't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> trying to say it gently I don't like the romance vibes I was picking up I think not because I don't like them together it's like they warned her he was going to be charming so mm-hmm. I'm kind of hoping I mean she's a doctor she's obviously intelligent I kind of wonder if it's going to be her playing into it just to kind of make her work life easier to kind of mentally manipulate him and let him think he's wooing mm-hmm. her and that's not going to be the case but I don't know if there was something about the butterscotch hand over there at the end. I just It was giving me like, I don't know if you guys have seen or heard of Escape from Danamora, which is a mini series that mm-hmm. came out last year, but it's, it's based on a real story of these two guys who escaped prison 
by essentially manipulating somebody who worked at the prison into like a romantic relationship. Um, and it was fascinating and very good, but it does make you think about these dynamics a little bit and how they can happen. And I, I really hope she's playing him. Like, I really hope that she kind of spotted what he was doing and is like, okay, fine. Two can play this game. Like, I'm going to make you think that I'm interested in you when I'm I'm not, especially because it was such a quick about face for her. Because mm-hmm. in the beginning of the episode, she's like, you're cleaning all this crap up, quite literally. <laughs> um, and, then, <laughs> and then by the end, she's like, here, have a little like candy just for you. Mm-hmm. It felt like a switch that was almost intentional. I'm, I'm, I'm really holding out hope that this isn't a romance, but what do you guys think? I, well, because I think either you or I or both of us, Jules, called it like, in our theory oh, section, I think I've been screaming about it for months, yeah. but I've been hoping it's not happening. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I just really wanted because, to be wrong. Just because, again, like even she said, Dr. Copshaw, that he's charming. He just has a way with words and he, you know what I'm saying? He can just mm-hmm. manipulate you into a relationship. I don't know. That sounds bad, but, um, and actually there's a show, another show that's kind of similar to this. It's called prison break. It was on Fox, actually. Uh, <laughs> I love that show. I love that show it when it was on. Great. It was so yes. Good. So uh, the the main character um, fell in love with the doctor at the prison. So it just kind of it was kind of a another parallel to that. But she is shady a little bit. But I don't know. See, but do we think that because she's given us any reason to, or do we de- think that because they had her a little standoffish at the beginning, and I so your default say- is well, there's something wrong. And it's like, I'm sorry. Right out of my mouth. Yeah. If I'm a doctor in a prison, I'm going to be as standoffish as I can be. Like, no, thank you. I mean, also, they said she's new, right? Like, she's the new doctor. I think so. I think so, yeah. I mean, he did kind of keep her from killing a patient. So it might have just been kind of like the drama of the day. Mm -hmm. That's true. Because that, like like she was saying, the aspirin she gave him would have made the brain bleed worse. Right. And he was essentially going to die if they didn't drill a hole in their head, which I have a whole problem with also. But <laughs> I'm, I'm agreeing with you like I know medical things. <laughs> I don't know. I did know some cranial nerves from my um, <laughs> speech language pathology coursework at, uh, at my college. But I was like, ooh, I know what nerve that is. <laughs> So Fun I was fact, in nursing that. school, you learn cranial ler- nerves in one lecture and then oh. you don't touch them again um, because they're scary. <laughs> oh, I can help. I, <laughs> like, I, kn- I know in theory how to do like a neuro exam. I also don't work in neurology. I feel like I'd probably do this a lot more often if I worked in neurology. Right. But yeah. every time someone says cranial nerves, I'm just instantly transported back to sophomore year of nursing school, looking at flashcards <laughs> at midnight being like, what does it all mean? Here's the, I, I got you. We'll talk after this episode. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Brad was like, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, I mean I've listened to my fair share of medical podcasts. So that's yeah. true. You're, I listened you're to an entire one on psychopathy versus narcissism. So well, there you go. <laughs> I that's can help you out there. For this but... show. And our, our last Jeez. big character reveal of the episode, we had Dr. Capshaw, we had Birdie, but the last one was Alan Cumming making his first appearance on the show as our investigator. And wow, he did exactly what I thought he was going to do, which he came in and just absolutely, oh, he, he hammed it up. He had to, it was like, you can tell he's going to be a really fun addition to the show, I think. Very what did you guys, eccentric. very eccentric, very much. What did you guys think when we saw him for the first I, time? 
I love his over the top, just like, oh yes, this is the victim I was thinking of. Like, <laughs> just see what I mean? This is very like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, almost like stereotypical, like, <sighs> I don't know. I like don't a know TV cop, that. like a TV yeah. like investigator, like one of the, he reminded me of like Harry Potter, like, oh, what was Yeah, I or like Sherlock Holmes or something. Name? You know who I mean from Harry Potter, though, right? Yes, thank you. I got you. (laughs) He was escaping my memory, and I was like, why can't I get it back? But just that kind of, like, over-the-top, like, full of himself, like, I'm going to solve this case, like, kind of vibes. Very much so. And can I just say that the way Endicott was left was kind of, eh? Ooh. Yeah. Like, oof. But then he was like, oh, and yes, then- the freezer burn, like, all of this. I'm like, isn't my English accent just wonderful? Um, <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. But then I was curious, to, like, because Brianna mentioned this last night. How did he know that to go to New York? He's like, oh, this is the body from New York. I've got to go to New York. And I'm like, well, I guess because Endicott is from New York. So I guess that would be his first stop. And he stop. was being investigated there before he died, too. Uh, he, he had right. a lot of connections in New York. I also think he would have just wanted to go to New York anyway, because I feel like he just wants to, like, be in the spotlight in New York. Oh, I know. Because in the preview, he's, you know, Ainsley is interviewing him. She's like, do you have any stuff? He's like, uh, now this time, not yet. Or no comments yet. <laughs> like, we're about to get, for the next, like, three episodes that he's in, we're about to get Kaylee's rendition of <laughs> the British, British accent. Oh, I can work on that. <laughs> Kaylee's like, let me workshop that. Hang on. That's the actress dialect. (laughs) Having having him is going to be interesting because, I mean, typically when you watch shows, you root for the cop to catch the killer. And in this case, we don't want him to catch the killer. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. And especially if he ends up like interrogating everybody, like that's going to be interesting. I need to know more about him. Like, is he, is he just a, a detective that investigates, you know, parallel to NYPD is he a profiler like Malcolm is he going to be able to pick up on the body language and we're going to have this profiler standoff in the interrogation room mm-hmm. like I'm yeah. I'm really excited to see him because like you said he was only on the screen for like a minute and already you're like oh no and we can't <laughs> tell yet whether he's a good investigator with a flair mm-hmm. for the theatrical or if he's just a very dramatic person who's not very good at investigating, because it's sort of like, will they just be able to lead him astray pretty easily? Or is he actually going to be kind of a threat? I don't know, because Malcolm knew him, because in the pre- again, in the preview, he was like, oh, because Gil's like, who the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Malcolm almost immediately is like, that's Simon Hoxley. So he's got to be famous in some capacity. So or he I'm- just met him earlier in that episode. That's possible. I feel like he's just going to turn up on Jessica's doorstep and be like, I have questions. Let me in. <laughs> I have things to say. I'm not even going to try the accent. So <laughs> I'm going to leave that to Kaylee. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm all for the theatrics as well. <laughs> I think he's going to be great, though. I agree. I know, very exciting. Yeah. But and can I just say why would. OK, I know they chopped him <laughs> or Malcolm chopped him up, which is real gross um Ugh. why didn't they like dispose dispose of his body in like a like i know they took him to estonia but why not like burn the body i don't know like maybe like not leave a body behind at all like <laughs> i know you chopped him up but can't, like was the plan to bury him in different parts of like the world so like they couldn't you know i, I don't know i like, mean like how many crimes sh- like he worked at quantico like 
and he knows all about serial killers. You couldn't have like adopted one of their methods to like I, I'm help yourself out. I'm certain that he's seen Breaking Bad. I mean, there's there's a lot better <laughs> disposal methods. Oh my god, bones! And, like I don't know. Come on. There's Ugh. plenty of ways you could do that. I don't know. I hope that we get more because I know we were talking about this the last time we chatted um, about how we all hope that we get a little bit more insight into the actual kind mm-hmm. of how the cover up happened and like mm-hmm. who I was, was going to save that for theories corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're just we're going straight into theories corner. Okay. Well, how can how can we not? Uh, but no, like I, I mean, yeah. it's just one of those unanswered questions that we have that now. I hope they're going to explain it. I hope it's not just oh, like they, we're supposed to just kind of accept that it happened. Cause I want the details and I kind of, here's my, here's my theory. That's probably completely. No, never mind. I'm not going to that one. Adopted, so you can't go I more. Briefly, that's true. Well, because we got the trailer, right? So mm-hmm. they had the, the shots from the Adriza centric episode. And I kind of briefly thought maybe it's going to be a flashback to her helping him Ooh. with the body. But then they talked about, you know, talking about her showing her friends outside of work and stuff. So then that's probably not. It's probably not what happened. But that would be interesting. Like, if he, like, well, because Martin was the one that was helping him, like, dispose of the body, I think, giving him tips. Which, as a serial killer, I feel like you should have given better better tips. But, you know, I digress. Anyway. Well, Um, (laughs) Martin was the surgeon. Of course, his first thought is to chop up the body. Oh, yeah. But, like... Even as like a medical, but I don't know. I I'm like sort of in the medical okay. profession, but not like a medical adjacent. Um, at this point <laughs> in my life, so I, I guess I don't know. Maybe there's like I don't know. I've also seen the blacklist, where it has like this whole episode about like chemical, uh, like disposing there of your body. There are easier and better ways. And and to yeah, rid of a body, especially but, with the tools that he has at his disposal. Now, if this was like right. a situation where this is just like your run of the mill person, like that can definitely seem like the best and most available option but this is a man <laughs> who like understands how to just dis- like professionally right. understands how to dispose but of I'm bodies saying. well but in a I way that we'll burning never trace. I'm but burning it could show. that it's hard to do in the city You'd have to find right. kind of a weird place. But to he freaking took him to Estonia. Why you didn't think burning him in Estonia was a good <laughs> We don't know how he got well, to Estonia. That's a whole. We don't know oh how that happened Lord. though. Like we the know whole I see in disposal and like having it be where there is no body is that everybody's gonna know the last place Indicott was was at a dinner with Jessica. Does everybody? And but so it's the same. I mean, the same excuse though that they've basically been giving anyway is that he left. And they never heard yeah. from him again. Yeah, and but then they can... get to have the body over there and it diverts attention and okay, it happened over there. It's not a problem versus mm-hmm. him disappearing completely. But but they must know. have had to fake that he flew to Estonia, right? Because they have to have some kind of paper trail that he ended up in Estonia. I, I, well, it's, I, I'm excited to see what <laughs> they know. did, what the cover up was. I feel like this is probably not the best thing because this show is watched by fans who devour true crime podcasts. Oh, yeah. Like, I fully so expect this to, like, like make me. sense. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. We're like, no, we want to know, like, the full story. And the writers are probably sitting there like, I don't know, he ends up in Estonia. And we're like, no, but you don't understand. No, no, no. <laughs> international law would prevent. Like, you know, we have, all, <laughs> like, the receipts on. We need a 45-minute episode dedicated from the moment the saw came out mm-hmm. to the body right. being found. Like, that's what I need. Yeah. <laughs> like, everything no, we need No, seriously. Well, because I wonder if he was maybe put on like a shipping container and like, I don't know. Okay. I'm going to be honest. I don't know geography. I don't know where Estonia is. Um, It's in the vague area of Eastern Europe that I refer to on the map when I just. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I figured because Europol was like the 
thing. My um, apologies to our like one or two potentially <laughs> European listeners. European like, listeners. Yeah, like they're the poor now. Like I'm out. <laughs> I don't no. know what states are. Okay, guys. Like it's it's not oh, just Europe agreed. that it's I have by a problem with. I'm a terrible American, so <laughs> it's across the Baltic Sea from Sweden. If that but thing. like, is it Brianna. is it accessible by water? <laughs> Is there a channel We're right planning here? the cover. Please hold. Do you know how disturbing this is? Don't We're fail me Google Maps. This podcast is going to be like yes. six minutes long. Okay. There's a whole channel that winds around into the Baltic so, Sea, but yes, you could theoretically get it there. I think he maybe was taken on a shipping container because that could be very, you know, people do like, mm-hmm. there are very, there are a lot of crimes that are committed via like shipping containers and like, you know, with drugs and like sex. How did he get him on a boat? Well, I'm saying he maybe he like drove him into a shipping container, maybe like full of ice or something. You know, I don't know. Like, uh, you I know what? We're gonna have to. I can't think of everything, our, guys. We need a whole episode to just theory. this podcast to how he did it, and I'm not even joking. Yeah. We just need to devote a good half hour to how conceivably Malcolm Ray could have gotten away with murder. <laughs> maybe my favorite be... theory. Yeah. No, my favorite theory is um. Dang, what was Eve's sister's name? Sophie. I think she's so gonna crop back up and have help. Because she would know all of those Sophie. like back alleys and how to do stuff, you know, under the radar. Yeah, yeah we you're right a- though. We need a whole segment, a whole well, episode we can, because maybe we can that'll do this be, all day. Maybe that'll be one of our hiatus episodes coming up pretty soon here. Definitely. So. I, I think it needs to be based on the uh, passion on display. Oh, we were today. just <laughs> if y'all could see our faces, we're like red face. We're like thinking about every true crime podcast we've ever watched. Like, how did he dispose of that body? That worked for a while. I remember that one episode of My Favorite Murder. They talked about the (laughs) right. I feel like that meme or like that picture where he's on the board. (laughs) Like that's what we need. Uh, But we haven't even (laughs) talked about the biggest moment of the whole episode. Of the whole episode, and really, it's kind of a twofold moment because Ainsley, her whole plan is revealed, and it turns out. She didn't kill a second person. She pranked Malcolm because she was feeling gaslit by Malcolm. So she wanted to make him feel what she felt. And we all have strong feelings about this. Very strong. (laughs) Very strong feelings. I will start off by saying, how do we feel, aside from the prank, if she hadn't pulled the prank, Mm -hmm. how do we feel about the general emotion behind what she was saying to Malcolm about feeling left out and feeling gaslit i get where she's coming from and we've well really you jules have specifically <laughs> used the word gaslit so that's why I, like when i heard that i was like jules jules like i immediately I've thought i'm saying it i'm on my couch screaming <laughs> in my apartment i said she was gaslit yes i get where she's coming from i you know she even said if i had known maybe i could have stops myself but I feel like when you're in that dissociative state you you don't know what you're doing you know what I'm saying you're you're almost having an out-of-body experience so maybe it wouldn't have mattered but I think regardless she should have known regardless um but at the same time I get where Malcolm's coming from that he was trying to protect her because maybe he thought she couldn't handle that guilt or you know that responsibility to you know he didn't want her to get in trouble he didn't want to go to jail for killing Endicott who was a terrible human being but I mean murder is murder like I've said before yeah so but I think she went too far I think she should have just oh yeah her feelings been like hey I didn't like that you did that next time I kill somebody can you tell me first 
<laughs> Next time I dissociate and absolutely right. murder a man in front of just you, just annihilate you him. Let me know. Right. You know, like I think she could have gone like if you were trying to teach him a lesson, I feel like that went too far because mm-hmm. he did do a lot to save her behind. I almost I almost caught my, I caught myself there. Um to save her <laughs> behind. Um like I think and that's why that scene at the end was so powerful and so intense with Malcolm's voice breaking. Like, you don't know what I've done for this family, for you. Like, ungrateful, you know? Um, and it was a weird I, moment, like, though. Hard. It was it's such so a strange hard. moment for Ainsley because she's, mm-hmm. in the past, it, it was kind of an almost, almost an out-of-character moment for her because in the past she has acknowledged often how mm-hmm. Malcolm has suffered not only for being the right. surgeon's son but also for just general things being in this family I mean she, the whole point of when she did the interview with Martin she was saying like you've irrevocably damaged this guy's life right. by your act. so she she's aware of it so it was it was very strange coming from Ainsley to kind of say those things to him that way I know Brianna's just sitting there I can <laughs> she's itching she's- listen <laughs> I have the strong feelings Brianna. I, I'm with you in that I wish she had known from the beginning, but Mm -hmm. also thinking back to like, before he immediately told her, like, I did this, you could hear like the panic mounting and you can't control a person who's going into a panic when you're also trying to dispose of a body. And I think in that moment, the easiest thing for him to get a handle on it was to tell her she didn't do it because coming out of that dissociative state, there was no way she wasn't going to No, agree. In the long run, it was a bad choice not to tell her, but in the moment, like you can't fault him for just trying to be like, it wasn't even you get out of the room. And he's not perfect. You know, we've talked about this. He's anxious. He's not making the decisions he was making weren't fully rational in that moment. And I don't think anybody would expect him to be like fully on the ball after such a shocking thing. Exactly. But he but didn't I have do, to wait yeah. so long. He but didn't have to wait so long in between. He couldn't. She, he didn't have to wait six months. You know what I mean? Not that it's been that long. How oh, yeah. long has it yeah, been? Yeah, it has. Within know? the world of the show, it's been like almost a year. Because, well, because they're the basically skipping right? past COVID. So they're pretending okay. like quarantine was X amount of time. Because I think she says something to um, Jessica like, oh yeah, like we've been quarantining together for like six or nine months or something. So it's been like oh, a okay. long time. So it, it didn't just yeah. happen. <laughs> You know, but then so also, if long. you're Ainsley and you get this memory back, which presumably she got her memory back long enough to go, long enough before this episode to have processed what happened, mm-hmm. to have planned this, to go and find pig's blood, and to plot this whole thing, it's just... Why pig's blood? Tell him as soon as you get the... I don't know, you can probably get it at the market easily. My, my immediate question was, why didn't you just use paint? You because can get pig's feet pretty easy, so. That's true, I guess. Well, I, I think she Karen wanted it to be authentic. Thing. I think she wanted yeah. it to be authentic. He would be able to pick up like, the difference. Right. Well, because I think, don't we use, like, an- sometimes animal organs to, like, for, like, transplants? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Like, no, we don't use trans parts. Or- okay, anyway, I'm, no. I'm getting off topic. <laughs> no, what? I'm Maybe that's a medical show. Anyway, with Ainsley. Real. <laughs> Back to Ainsley. No, I think this was Kaylee's. a step too far. And at least for me, yeah. it took her beyond likable now because she knows how not fragile. I hate, I hate saying fragile because he's not a fragile person with everything right. he's dealt with in his life, but how fragile, for lack of a better word, I mean, Malcolm yeah. is mentally. And then to yeah. do something like this that you know is going to stress him out more right it's just to, and to let it go all day to not her. to like he told her on the couch before she even did this whole reveal that she killed Indicott. like she mm-hmm. could have just cut it off there 
and not even opened the jacket, moved on or opened it. And 30 seconds later been like, oh, I'm just messing with you. I knew all along, don't do it again. Like there were so many points she could have backtracked and she didn't. And to me, mm-hmm. that's just malicious. My one other moment, <laughs> I swear, and then I'll shut up. No, the um the passion in the moment and just like the utter heartbreak and betrayal Tom mm-hmm. Payne puts into Malcolm. And then you have that playing opposite of Ainsley's just really cold. She's like, oh, it was a little dramatic. Are you kidding me? You went 24 hours of letting your brother think you murdered someone. That's it more than a weird. little dramatic. It was so weird. it was just they played that. It was yeah, weird. the whole thing was weird. And she was almost like stone faced when she said it too. She's like <laughs> almost had no emotion. So that almost to me was like psychopath sort of. She was like, like, chill out. Like our, a murder is what this family does best. Is that not what she said? Or no no yeah. that's what she said no, but your dad she, okay. got caught so i'm not sure that's what your family does right best. exactly like <sighs> but just her facial expressions and she just had no oh, she was almost monotone like almost mm-hmm. had no like highs in really had no highs in her voice it was all just one like you know what i'm saying one pitch no no yeah, stress yeah. or intonation or anything that that almost made it creepier for me like almost she was in that dissociative state to me personally like did you rewatch the episode again yet i rewatched the end of it i didn't rewatch the whole <sighs> thing but i did rewatch because i wanted to see the scene again mm-hmm. because i was like I, I kind of had to like process it a second time because i was just trying to figure out like where like because like you said it was a very weird way for her to deliver her dialogue right. it's kind of like we were talking about earlier it's strange because she hasn't while she's been insensitive before and Ainsley has kind of, there've been moments where you realize that she sort of has other priorities and that's, mm-hmm. you know, just part of her character. She's very driven, but with Malcolm, she's never been that way. Right. And for her to kind of say, well, you know, you did this thing to me. So I did this thing to you, you know, it was, it was just very bizarre. And, and the way that he was acting because he was devastated. And I mean, obviously he had a right to be, he's walked around mm-hmm. all day thinking that his sister killed somebody and that mm-hmm. he's trying to cover up now two murders. And then the fact that she was completely expressionless, uh, it was tough for me as somebody who likes Ainsley's character because there's always been right. a certain sense to Ainsley's character. Like as much as certain things she's done have been concerning, um, especially in hindsight, <laughs> you know, there, there was always something, only some. Brianna, you can't expect me to just completely change my whole view on Ainsley in one of the- <laughs> Why but not? I that, But that scene, that scene made me think like, wow, like what is- what's going on here what's the end game with Ainsley's character I know we were talking about this a little bit before we kind of started recording but and this probably fits more into our theory section but hey theories abound I think we're just like lacing theories oh yeah we're just lacing theories through but but where are we going with her are we taking her to a point where she could be as calculated as I feel like they're leaning to that because when I did the rewatch and you watch her do the whole performative bit at the beginning about I killed someone I don't know and then to keep it up on the phone with her that whole time because I felt bad I was like Mm -hmm. oh god like she's done this again and she didn't do and we don't know why like what's how is this gonna you know and then for her to just be completely like Kaylee was saying just completely cold-hearted really yeah. I think she's, they she want loves. her to be like Martin. I think they're trying to do the very, like, look, she can turn the emotions off and on. 
And I don't know if maybe she's just now figuring that out. I don't know when psychopathy really appears age-wise. I didn't remember that part from the podcast. Um, (laughs) But I kind of wonder if she's starting to figure that out about herself and maybe is shutting it off and kind of letting her be her, not true self, but you know what I mean, around her family a little more. Not so much with Jessica, but that would explain the like extreme cold in that scene with Malcolm. Or maybe she just went in defensive because he figured it out. And, you know, she walks in going, so you figured it out. And it's like, you didn't just put a fun puzzle together. Calm down. Like, what is happening? <laughs> you didn't just do write I, me a do letter. I relate to her dramatic? Because there is a product out there called, like, Hunt a Serial Killer. And it's literally a box where you, like, get a box at home and you have to hunt a serial killer. I know, so, like, debated I... it. <laughs> it sounds oh, interesting. It does. it does sound fun. So from that perspective, I'm like, oh, look at that. She created a fun game. Maybe not with your brother, who is extremely <laughs> unstable and um, also just stuck his neck out for you. Right. I, I know. And Brianna, I, I I feel you. I really, really do. Because I, I it's going to be very hard to look at Ainsley after this as not yeah. being sort of scary and being almost psychotic. But it's tough for me because she's, oh, it was just so out of character for her. And that's what I'm struggling with is I think if it had built to it a little more, I would feel better about it. But it just seemed like a very weird about face for her as a person. Mm -hmm. And again, like, I understand where where she's coming from in the Mm -hmm. fact that she's angry and she's, you know, felt left in the dark. And that's all she wanted was to know what was going on. But to take it that far and to cause more to raise more questions, Adresa could have been like, why are you having me keep this on the down low? Like, what if she took that to Gil? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's things that she didn't think of that could have raised more questions about the murder that she mm-hmm. committed that he covered <laughs> for actu- her. The, the, the actual murder that happened here. Because that's what right. I'm thinking too, you know Kaylee. What I mean? you're, you're right. Is doing that kind of dumb stunt could have caused Adresa to be suspicious. I mean, kind of Thank God Adresa really does love Malcolm right. the way that she yeah. does. Not that she would have, but we don't know. Maybe she, as a friend, would have been concerned. Like, look, you know, I love Malcolm, but I'm really concerned about him. Like, he gave me this blood. And, of course, he's like, keep it between us. And she's like, oh, of course. But, she you know, he's her sa- job. She right, could lose like, her job over something like that. I would have understood right. if she went to Gil with that. Because that's not, I mean, right. that's like, that's really not good from like a it's from just, her career perspective. I just I wish she would have went about it a different way. Like maybe had mm-hmm. a family meeting, a family intervention or something. You know what I the mean? The speech was good. Everything else was wrong. The right. actual literal thing that she said to him. Right. Like, this is how I feel. I felt gaslit. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Like that made sense. Right. Every other part of that was incorrect. Was, <laughs> right. It was the wrong Not, yeah. not Cut out it. the prank and sit down and have the conversation. Yes. And it would have been just perfect. Talk. Just mm-hmm. have that because even if she, even if he came home and she's on the couch and she looks at him and she's like, I realized what I've done, then you cut to the next episode and then you have them have that conversation. I think it's a valuable conversation to have because, like mm-hmm. we were kind of talking about before we even started recording, Malcolm does like to feel in control, not necessarily controlling other people, he's not a controlling person, but mm-hmm. I think he liked mm-hmm. to feel like he had a lid on the situation, like Ainsley doesn't know. And she's over in this corner and my mom knows, but I'm going to put her over in this corner and never the two shall meet. And we won't have to have this conversation. And that's his way of coping with it. And it isn't Mm -hmm. fair to put that on another person, but, 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 but it is also not cool. 
it's a very tough situation because you see mm-hmm. both sides truly, you know, again, mm-hmm. the methods yeah. not, are not fantastic, but again, you see those both sides. So that's why I, literally we could talk about this for hours because we can just go back show, and forth. I yeah. mean, they're so good at showing you the logic behind things. They don't do something yeah. just for the fun of doing it. This right. will look good on screen. Like there's always thought behind everything. And I think that's mm-hmm. what makes the show so good. Mm-hmm. And it's like you were saying, Jules, like I don't, I think part of me didn't like it because now I don't understand what they're planning. Like I felt like I kind of had an idea of where they were going to go with Ainsley Mm -hmm. and now I don't anymore. I thought we were going to have this, you know, a season or two of this dissociative little murder running around who's, you know, she's trying to keep her from snapping, but it's like, clearly she she didn't kill a second person and not yet. I don't know where we're going. (laughs) So my theory is maybe she will, maybe, I don't know, throughout this, you know, now that she knows, is she going to stay true to her word that she could prevent it? I use that in air quotes. I know you can't see on the podcast, but I'm using air quotes when I use that word. Um, you know, is I want her to, like, I almost want her to put her money with her, where her mouth is. Like, if you are going to be angry at your anchor or something, like, are you going to, are you going to kill them just because, or like, maybe she's put in another situation like she was with Endicott and, and, and like Malcolm and, you know, she snaps. So I, we'll see I think it would be interesting to where she gave him all this crap for it and then was like I mean you're right okay I'm sorry <laughs> like that that's my bad that's my that's bad me I really <laughs> am a rage murderer aren't I right. that's that's really that's it's tough it's tough to self-reflect like that you know I mean like right. you're right Kaylee like before this episode I would have and I have on this podcast multiple times <laughs> said that she wouldn't kill again and I I meant it because it didn't the thing that happened to her was very traumatic in that moment it felt mm-hmm. like a reaction to real fear that she was having. It felt like this culmination of all this emotion that she was feeling that she couldn't express. So like that kill made mm-hmm. sense to me. And right. so I didn't think that it would just happen again out of nowhere. I was fully on board with the idea that she was dissociating more and doing this again. But I don't know if I'm fully on board with the idea of her like becoming a professional series. Like I hate to use professional because it's not like a career choice. <laughs> But like it's becoming like unless father, she uses like, it at work. <laughs> unless she starts. Hey, I'm telling you, she's got the <laughs> ultimate scoop on the current serial killer because it's her. Oh my god, that would actually see. This is that Brianna is making me mad that they didn't just have her kill a second person. Because can you imagine how chaotic an entire season of this show would be if it's just Ainsley Whitley slowly bumping off everyone at her news station and covering the crime, like as if she didn't do it, that would and then fun. reporting on it. And then, and then Malcolm has on. to investigate it. And Malcolm's like, mm, this is suspicious. I don't, there's something about this that's tipping me off. And it's like, oh, it was Ainsley all along. I don't know. I don't want to give the writers too many ideas, but. I know, if, right? If anyone's <laughs> listening, I would happily take a season of something like that happening. So this week, guys, we will not be having a Malcolm Danger Count segment because there is no what? Malcolm Danger Count section. What? Shockingly. Shockingly. I know. So. If you're waiting for that, you'll be waiting a long time for this. <laughs> during for this once, episode. he did the right thing. Like, not once did he charge in without that. I mean, we shouldn't give him too much credit. It was mainly Danny. But <laughs> Danny was there, like, every step of the way. And I but think he it's did mostly not... because he was acting so cagey at the beginning. Mm-hmm. She was like, nah, you're staying with me. You're going to do that. <laughs> She's like, no, I'm not going to let you do some police brutality here. <laughs> Don't be more brightish. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm going to come with you and make sure this is all on the up and up. And I mean, it's going to be this, this episode not having any danger counts in it is really going to wreak havoc on our season long total. Cause I think we're up to 20 now for the yes. season. But we um, still have, 
what uh, seven more episodes math. i think there's 14 13 or 14 episodes i don't know there's six. been conflicting reports depending <laughs> on conflicting who you ask. reports of how many episodes six or but seven yeah, no we're about halfway through about halfway through so we shall see. But if you guys think of anything, have any ideas, um, pretty soon we're going to be doing some fan theories. So if you want to start shooting mm-hmm. those out to us at mm-hmm. call for backup pod, that's called the number four backup pod. Or you can tweet at myself uh, at Kaylee Gross. If you want to tweet at me and with your theory, I would love to see them. If we're so promoting awesome. Twitter ha- handles, I'm also on Twitter. <laughs> I'm at Jules Wright's blog. And you can you can listen to me freak out about Prodigal Son for one night a week and then yell about Nancy Drew for the other six nights of the week. Um, <laughs> Are we really doing and Twitter tags? Do it, you, Why not? All do right. It. I'm at bookbag09. All I do is yell about Prodigal Son and 911 <laughs> and Nancy Drew when it's Nancy on, but it's not Nancy on this Drew. week, so. Yeah. But we would love to hear from you guys. So um, yeah, tag us either yeah. at the podcast, Twitter, or at our individual Twitters. And uh, we'll see y'all very soon. As a party note for our podcast, we'll be ending every episode with a motivational affirmation or quote that hopefully inspires you as you start your weekend. This week's affirmation is, My true beauty shines from the inside out. Remember, prodigies, while the show is on hiatus, if you find yourself in a dangerous situation, make sure you definitely call for backup. That's our show for this week. We'll be taking every other week off for the six-week hiatus, so make sure to follow us on our Twitter account at callforbackuppod. That's call the number four backup pod to be up to date on when our hiatus episodes will drop. Tag us and let us know your thoughts on the episode. And as always, follow us at Nerds and Beyond for all of your nerdy news.